0: Good morning, church. So what a blessing to see so many children. That is a blessing indeed to see and witness uh, our church multiplying that way. So this morning we have another surprise. We have a video that we've been working on for a very long time. I want to uh, give a personal thanks to everyone that was brave enough uh, to be in front of the camera. So as you watch the video, uh, just think about what it means to be in the presence of the Lord at the ends of time. So as we watch the video, just think about what is God doing, not just here in Jerusalem, but also around the world. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. magmalwan lagi ka, kanamo, kanamo mo kami ug ka ang iyang nawong sa ibabaw namo aron pagilahon sa ibabaw sa yuta ang imong dalan ang imong kaluwasan sa dili wala sa mga nasod unkulongkulo magabeno mo sa gitina asibusise maka kainise ba Ogoze indlela yaziwe emhlabeni. Intsindiso yakho abezizwe. Dios tenga piedad de nosotros y nos bendiga. Dios haga resplandecer su rostro sobre nosotros para que la tierra sea conocido tu camino y en las naciones tu salvación. Dios maawa ka sa amen. At pagpalain mo kami. At pasilangin nawa niya ang kanyang mukha sa amin upang ang daan ay maalaman sa lupa ang iyong pangligtas nang kagalingan sa lahat ng mga bansa. Tabri bon Dieu, gen pitié pour nous. Voyez bénédiction au Seigneur. Fais-nous sentir où là avec nous. Pour tout monde sur la terre sa ouvrier. Po toutes lot nation yo ka connaît ses rois qui délivraient les hommes. Som 67. 1, 2 und 3. Alle Menschen sollen sich freuen und jubeln, denn du bist ein gerechter Richter. Du regierst die ganze Welt. Die Völker sollen dir danken, Gott. Ja, alle Völker sollen dich preisen. Das Land brachte eine gute Ernte hervor. Unser Gott hat uns reich beschenkt. Let the people's praise you are God, let all the people's praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy For you judge the peoples with equity And guide the nations upon earth Các nước khá vui vẻ và hát mừng rỡ Vì Đức Chúa Trời sẽ dùng sự ngay thẳng Mà đón xét các dân Và cai trị các nước trên đất Hỡi Đức Chúa Trời Nguyện các dân ngợi khen Chúa ngai 하나님이여, 민족들로 주를 찬송케 하시며 모든 민족으로 주를 찬송케 하소서 열방은 기쁘고 즐겁게 노래할지니 주는 민족들을 공평히 판단하시며 땅 위에 열방을 치리할 것이 미니이다. Selah todos los pueblos te alaben Alegrense y gocénse las naciones, porque juzgarás los pueblos con equidad y pastorearás las naciones en la tierra. Tán wird man auf der ganzen Welt erkennen, wie gut du bist und handelst. Alle Völker werden sehen und verstehen, du bist ihre Rettung. Die Völker sollen dir danken, Gott. Ja, alle Völker sollen dich preisen. Poríhin kanawa ng lahat ng tao. Poríhin kanila sa lahat ng dako. Nawaipuriin ka ng na mga nilikha pagkat matuwid kang humatol sa madya ikaw ang patnubay ng lahat ng bansa Allons sur la terre tous vont commencer tu agir toutes les nations seront que tu es le sauveur ô oh dieu que les peuples te disent merci que les peuples te remercient tous ensemble The people of all the world opèrent de and par tout Let the people praise you, O God, let all the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Oui, c'est pour tout peuple sous la terre ferme un jour. La terre baille les croûts, bon Dieu qui bon Dieu nous a, te voyer bénédiction lui sous nous. Oui, bon Dieu te voyer bénédiction lui nous. C'est pour tout le monde, tout partout, sous la terre, qui est pour lui. Les nations se réjouissant et sont dans la, la Grèce, car tu juges le peuple avec toi, tu es, et tu conduis les nations sur la terre. Les peuples te louent en jour, tous les peuples te louent La tierra da the Lord, Dios, Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the nos, Senai Let's Clap Once again, thank you for everyone that participated. And those that could not make it, don't worry. Maybe we'll do it next year. Uh, What did you not see in the video are individuals that are from Laos, Congo, Namibia, Sri Lanka, Persia. What you also did not see are the parents of individuals that grew up in other parts of the world. There were missionaries in Albania and the Philippines, grandparents that have served in Paraguay for 20 years or even missionaries in Australia. What you do not hear from the video are church members that have participated in global missions, either Uganda, Sudan, Cambodia, India, Paraguay, Australia, Bangladesh, Ecuador, Argentina, Mexico, El Salvador, Puerto Rico, serving after Hurricane Maria, and even Guatemala. What you do not see is a local church doing missions locally. Yesterday, a body of our uh, group of our church was helping a refugee family uh, settle into a new apartment. You did not see the videos where the rebuilding houses were done for rest in Montgomery County, or coaching soccer, or foster care programs, or food meals. There's so many things going on in our church, both locally and internationally. What you also did not see is how the Holy Spirit is convicting individuals. To begin to think about the possibility to travel abroad, whether it's India, whether it's Cambodia, whether it's Kenya, whether it's Costa Rica, whether it's the Amazon. God is moving. The Holy Spirit is moving whether we want to or not. One of the things that when I came to the church was a conviction about conversations I was having with random individuals about what has God had done previously in terms of related to missions... Or what they were intended to do in the future. I want to do a disclaimer. When I think about missions, I think about global missions. Not to mean the local missions is not important. Not that it is the secondary, but when we read the scripture, there is a focus on global going, giving of ourselves for those that don't know Jesus. So today we'll be focusing on the idea what it looks like for our church to begin thinking about engaging in global missions on a constant, repetitious way. Open the Bible with me, or you can read it there. This is the conclusion, right? So Have you ever read a book or you ever talked to someone and they give you the ending of the story? This is it. Revelations. 7, 9 through 10 tells us how everything is going to end. It tells us what's going to be the ending for all of us in humanity. What is it going to be when we are at the feet of Jesus and God worshiping Him for eternity? And what I want you to focus on is verses 9 and 10. It says, After this I look, and there before me was a great multitude that no one can count, from every nation, tribe, People and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. What we see here is not just Americans speaking English. But we see multitude of individuals from every part of the world worshiping our creator. One of the things that we've been uh, thinking about and reading and praying over is worship is the fuel of missions. Mission is not the consequence, but is a secondary option when we begin to be worshiping Jesus, when we understand truly what is to worship Him, as a secondary byproduct of that is going to be our desire to be on mission. Sometimes we confuse those, right? We say, let's go on mission so we can see how God is moving around the world. No, the focus is if I understand what God is asking me to to do and I know the ending where the end is going to be to worship him for all eternity with all types of people, then the end result is that I'm going to be propelled to go to the ends of the world and find those individuals that have not heard about Jesus. So today the focus is going to be what is God asking you? How God is talking to you directly or indirectly or even today? What does it look like for you and I and for the church to be on missions 24-7? So we're going to look at very simple three steps that we want you to think about global missions. Worship is the fuel of mission. The desire to see Revelation 7, 9, 10 fulfilled. But we begin to think about Revelation 7, 9 when it talks about languages and peoples and people's groups and nations. What in essence is talking about? Well, it's talking about roughly about 20 languages and dialects around the world. All of them will be present on Revelation 7, 9, and 10. When we think about ethnic groups, we're talking about 17,000 groups of individuals that have their own culture. We're talking about roughly about 200 nations, by the way. The World Cup started today, right? So tune in, free advertise, okay? Even Ralph is like, are we going to have the World Cup playing on the annex? I said, don't push me, Ralph, right? Let's focus, right? So we begin to think about what it looks like. How are we going to get 20,000 distinct languages and dialects that represents 17,000 ethnic groups with us worshiping our creator. And I can tell you it's not by sitting on these benches. Someone has to be motivated to go and reach them. The question is, who and where? And the answer is very simple. Look to your left, look to your right, look behind you, look in front of you, and I would dare say, think about those children downstairs and across the church. That's who is God is preparing. That's who is God molding. That's who God is calling. One of the hardest conversations I have had where children and teens and youth have received and understood the call to go on missions is when they talk to their parents. When a college student knows that God is placing in their heart for them to go to unsafe, far, dangerous, remote areas of the world, the biggest obstacle is not the money, it's not the will, Is the parents. So when we're thinking about, right, what kind of church are we equipping? What kind of church are we becoming? Our children are the most precious possessions that we have. But those possessions are not to be hold and hold tight. They're to be released into the kingdom of God and allow God to do what he wants with them, regardless whether we want to or not. So we are the individuals that are being called to go on missions. But what does it look like? What is it that we're going to be doing? So in order for Revelations 7, 9 through 10 to be accomplished, there are three things we have to do. The first one is, pray. We have to pray. When we begin to think about where is God leading me, or where God is beginning to shape my mindsets and my aspirations, and my, even my profession as a college student to be or to graduate, what is the career path that God is choosing, or who am I supposed to marry? It all starts and ends with prayer. God, what is it that you want me to do? Show me What is it that you want me to do? Now, this looks very different from different individuals. Some of you might be decided to be working with refugees locally. Praise the Lord for that. Some of you are going to be working with refugees in Syria. Praise the Lord for that. The idea is that no matter what is God calling us to do, we have to start by praying. And when we read the Bible in Matthew 9, 37, 38, it is very clear that the focus on missions and the desire to be obedient to God must start and must end and must be in continual process with praying. Look what Matthew 9, 38 says. Then he said to his disciple, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are what? Few, or I would say non-existing or hard of hearing. Therefore, do what? Pray, but not just pray, but what? Earnestly. To whom? To the Lord of the what? Of the harvest. And what are you going to pray for? Let's do that again. What are we going to pray for? To send out laborers into the harvest. Pay attention to the relationship here. God is almighty. He knows exactly the fields that need to be reaped. He knows exactly the fields that need to be sowed. He knows exactly what fields need to be weeded. But we are the laborers. Now, it's easy for God to do this all by himself, isn't it? Even the rocks can speak if we won't do it. But he wants us to be engaged. He wants us to be with him on missions. That's the loving God that we have. He saved us so we can also show others the gift of salvation. So when we say about prayer, this is our prayer. This should be our prayer for the next year. Lord, who is going to be the laborers? Who is going to go out to what fields? And when we do that, guess what God is going to do? He's going to start shaping things. I remember many years ago. When I was a pastor of Spanish church, by the way, my parents are here, so I can't look them directly in the eye, then I'll get distracted. All right, so I'm going to start shifting my eyesight. So I remember that we were praying. Our task was to have mission projects in, either, in every part of the world. The last remaining piece was Africa. I always wanted to go to Africa. I taught about Africa, but I'd never been to Africa. And we wanted, we wanted Africa as the last piece in the apostle and uh, missions. And we prayed and we prayed. We finally said, yes, here's a check. I remember it very clearly. I had a blank check, check without a name to it, but it just had a number, a dollar figure attached to it. I go to a mission conference where a lot of my friends are there, and I said, tell me, who is a missionary or a project that I can sponsor? Here's the check, no name, a number attached to it. And guess what happened? All these individuals that are working in missions on a day-to-day basis, they have lists of missionaries. None of them could give me a missionary in Africa. Hard to believe, right? So I'm like, this is so weird. We want to go to Africa. We want to sponsor projects in Africa. We have the check. We just don't know who to give it to. And this is when you pray. You don't pray your will. You pray for God to do his will. So I remember I'm sitting in this table, and one of my best friends is sitting right in front of me, and I say, you know, Julio, do you have anyone in Africa that I can give this check to, or we can begin to establish a long-term relationship with this individual in Africa? He said, I cannot think of anyone at this moment. However, there's a guy in Bangladesh that I talked to you about a couple of years ago that he needs that check. I said, but last time I checked, even though I'm a geography professor, Bangladesh is not in Africa, correct? You're like, really? Africa, Bangladesh, right? Not in the same location, right? So I was like, hold up. My desire is to invest in Africa, and God is pointing me to Bangladesh. Immediately I said that check is his, and then immediately I said that's where we're going to go that year. That was six years ago. God had a purpose for that trip. Now there is an underground church that is blossoming, And multiplying there as a result of an investment that we did six years ago. Not in Africa, but in Bangladesh. Eventually, God gave us Africa, but that was not the time. So, when we began to think about what is my role and mission, we all can pray. Pray that the Lord sends laborers to the harvest. Now, if you want to be more specific, say, Send me, Lord. Send my children. But that takes a leap of faith. The second aspect is to give. Pray is the first one. Give is the second. And don't worry, I'm not asking about money here. I might be towards the end, but not at the beginning. Okay. So when we think about giving, I want you to begin to think about what is it that I have that I can give to the mission fields? Well, we can give our talents, We can give our knowledge. We can give our vacation times. We can give our skill sets that God has given us to begin to think how those skill sets can be utilized around the world. Now, God has also given us resources and money that we can utilize as well. One of the things that is amazing when you go into missions is to see the before and after. You've seen these pictures, uh, but before I get to that, let me read 2 Corinthians two six seven. It says, "The point is this: Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decided to in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The idea here is to understand that God has given us things, and in return, we give Him what He has given us." So one of the cool things about missions is to see the before and after. So some of you have seen these pictures before. So this is back in May. Uh, Ralph and I were lucky enough to go into the slums. So the walls that you see there that are non-existent is where they wanted to build a church. The congregants or the population they were trying to reach is those individuals, those children. that are addicted to smelling glue. Now, that's a a community of about 500 to 1,000 individuals. So we begin to think about the before and after, right? When we begin to pray about God, where do you want us to send, and God gives us the conviction of going, then we go, and then we see the despair. We see the task is so great that it's so overwhelming. Guess what we got to do? Pray some more. And literally two weeks ago, this is what happened. right? A church is there where there was no church before. No resources, no money, but the Lord of the harvest did what? He provided. Now you see tin roofs, now you see the walls, and now you see the individuals worshiping there. That is, in essence, why we do what we do, right? To be on missions, to see what people are not seeing. To begin to say, God, the task is so great that I can't do it by myself. It's not my resources, it's not my money, it's not my know-how. This is up to you. So what are you going to give? What are you going to provide? And there's tons of stories that we can tell about that picture, but we don't have the time. For me, personally, going is the hardest thing. Not for me, but for individuals that I talk to. I say praying is easy enough, giving is a little bit harder, but going is the ultimate sacrifice. Why? You tell me. Every time I have conversations about fear, the unknown, the unpredictable, things you can't control. What are we going to eat? I'm like, I don't know. Where are we going to sleep? I don't know. And the most famous question, what are we going to do? If you ever ask me that question, what is my response? I don't know. All right? Because it's not up to me. God is going to be opening the way. God is going to show the way. So Acts 1.8, we all know it. But it says, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Now, the idea here is that as I am Jerusalem going towards the ends of the world, this is not a static, this is movement, right? That God is gonna go with us. And guess what? God is also doing. At the ends of the world, God is bringing them to our Jerusalem. See the interaction? We're here in Jerusalem. And we're moving there, but God is also bringing individuals here—the Sudanese refugees, the Ukrainian refugees, the Afghanis refugees—are coming here because we're not going there. God is moving regardless whether we want to or not. So the challenge is this: we know the ending, we know what Revelation looks like, we know that we're going to be glorifying God for eternity with. 20,000 different dialects, and 17,000 ethnic groups. But the reality still remains that today in 2022, there are 3 billion individuals that did not have access or very limited access to the gospel. Think about that. 3 billion individuals today with all the technology do not have access directly to the gospel or no access at all. Out of the 17,000 ethnic groups, there's still 7,000 unreached ethnic groups in the world. No amount of technology can penetrate the jungle. There has to be an individual like you or I that is going to go and share the gospel. What's sad about it is that all the laborers that are being raised up in North America and around the world, only 3% of those individuals are going to go to the unreached groups. So think about the labor force. So if you are called to missions, most likely you're going to go to a place where the gospel is already preached. Only 3% out of all missionaries around the world are working in unreached areas of the world. And what is more sad about it, only 1% out of all church budgets in the world Go to the unrich people of the world. So we're not giving. We're not going. Are we praying? So the task for us as a church today is how I am going to be on mission. How I am going to be part of God's global salvation plan. Am I going to pray strategically? Am I going to give strategically? Am I going to go strategically? So as we begin to think about global missions, as we begin to think about missions as a whole, think about where is the greatest need? Where is God calling us to go? And this will take a lot of prayer. But like people keep reminding me today right, about Mission Sunday. Today is the start. This is day zero for our church To begin to think about what are we going to be doing? How are we going to get involved? And as you go around the tables, right? Don't ask, what are we going to do? You know the task. The task is to preach the gospel to those that don't know Jesus. No matter the place, the circumstances, or the dangers. We are being equipped. We are being called to go on missions. I want you to close your eyes and pray. Pray to the Lord or the harvest. Where is it that you want me to go? Where is it that you are calling my family to go? And as you begin to pray, you begin to be moved by the Spirit. You might be waking up in the middle of the night, or in my case, it's really early in the morning. And I'm like, Lord, I want to sleep some more. And he's like, no, time to get up. Or who are you going to have discussions with? And as you move through the career fair, uh, the mission fair today, you begin to go around the tables. Pray. Is God leading me to go to Kenya? Is God leading me to go to India or the Amazon or Costa Rica or none of those places interest you? Guess what? The church is willing to back and pray for you to go wherever God is calling you to go. Dear Father, today we pray that we want to be a mission for you. We don't want to do it for our glory. We want to do it for your glory. We don't want to do it, Father, for our glorification. We want to do it for your honor and your investment, Father. We want to give it, Father, not under our will, not under our power, but your power as read in Acts eight. Father, we thank you for this time. And as we move to communion today, before you take the communion, ask a simple question. Even communion in 1 Corinthians 11, 25, 26, it reads... This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, what you're doing is proclaiming the Lord death until he comes. Every time we do communion, what we're doing is, Jesus, come back. So we can be singing all of us together in heaven. Pray a little bit more before you take the communion. And as you are ready for the communion, go ahead and drink and eat. Dear Lord, we finish this time in front of you, knowing that the task is too great. We know, Father, that we're not equipped or we are afraid. We're doubtful, Father. But we're praying to you that you move and steer our hearts and direct us into what you want us to do. Thank you, Lord, for this step of faith that we're taking as a church to begin to think about globally. It is a small step, but it's in the right direction. Let us be surprised, Father, how bold and how fast we grow and begin to think about global missions at this church. Thank you, Father, for this time. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.